The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome into the first cut, our RBC Heritage DFS preview. It's a lot of letters. See Najad joining me to break it all down. See ya. What up? It's a lot of letters, and it's fully integrated into my narrative lineup at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that, if nothing else. I have a guest already. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, the Masters is over. We do not look back. We look forward here at the first cut. That's exactly what we do. And the schedule rolls on and we roll right along with it because every week is an opportunity in fantasy golf. Uh, here's Sia Najad's narrative lineup. Dustin Johnson, Matt Kuchar, um, Chris Kirk. I, who? These are the RBC, Her- the RBC sponsored guys, right? Did I spoil uh, the Snedeker? No, no, you're you're not even close, actually. Although the lineup you just gave out is would be way better than the one I'm going to give out. But I've got like a two-tiered narrative lineup where there's like a, a star of the narrative lineup. So this this could be, and actually I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I'm not gonna say the lineup, I'm just gonna yeah, say this this statement, which is which is out of control. This is there's one player in this field, strokes gain narrative that literally breaks the model. He is the highest score in the strokes gain narrative department. Unfortunately, he's in the 6K, but it doesn't matter because strokes gain narrative take precedent over everything else. So I'm just saying, stay tuned. Oh boy. Now I got to Now, now it's going to be on my brain for the next 45 yeah. Every guy we go through, is he, is this, is this the narrative? Is this the guy? Is this it? Uh, speaking of the guy, the guy that you might want to pick for one and done purposes. And when I say you, I mean the fans, the fan vote is now open. The link is in the description of this video and podcast. So go ahead, click on that. Shout out Elijah. Much appreciated for putting it all together. Uh, they have made a pretty serious dent. See, I don't know their exact standing at the moment. They might be in fourth already. I'm I'm in the rear view. You're in the rear view. Greg, are you in the rear view? Have they passed you yet? Yeah, they they passed me. I, th- I think they're ahead of me right now. It's close. They're close to me. But I was really disappointed because the truth is I wanted to take JT last week, which honestly wasn't that big of a gap from DJ, but a, a big enough gap for me. I had already used JT, so I couldn't use him. I had to use DJ, and uh, I was a little disappointed. Rick, we were on Friday. Actually, Greg and Rick, we were all on Friday, and I was – kind of talking smack a little bit about JT's position relative to DJ's and that flipped quickly. Yeah, dude, there was J- and then JT played the front nine on Sunday. I said, we look forward, but apparently we do indeed look back. I, I saw uh, <laughs> JT on Sunday, his front nine. And I think DJ had made a double somewhere and there was like a four shot lead. And JT was just like a shot off of second. And I'm like, Holy crap, give me this T2 money. And then he, made i think he went bogey bogey double on 10 11 12 i think and it was just all she wrote yikes yeah not cool 
<laughs> Not great, Bob. All right. I'm done with JT. We got to move on. Moving on. Well, he's in the field this week. Justin Thomas, indeed, in the field this week at Harbor Town, RBC Heritage. Uh, that what you're seeing on YouTube right now is my website, rickrungood.com, the course key stats tool. And there's a lot going on here. See, I guess let's talk about the field first. We do have a bunch of guys coming from the Masters to play this event. And this field, uh, longer term, has seen a real improvement in strength of field. I think it was 419 the last time I checked, which is right on par for what we've seen the last couple of years. Minus 2020, this was uh, one of the first events back, and it was like a major championship field in 2020. But this has been seemingly every year um, – getting us to get some really decent players the week after the Masters. Yeah, and it's a little surprising. You you would think, and I know it's just down the road a little bit, but you'd think some of these guys would sort of take the tournament off after the Masters. This will be a really good test of their narrative that we continue to hear about the RBC, which is, you know, some of these long shot guys, maybe in the 60 to 1 or the 100 to 1 range, maybe these guys that are priced firmly in that 7K range. It'll be a real test to see if those guys end up emerging, you know, in the top five as an outright, because there's a lot of talent at the top. I mean, really, even when you go to the bottom of the 9K range, that's where the te- like the real elite talent stops. So I'll, I'll be really interested to see who's contending down the stretch among the 9 and 10K guys and the guys below them. So, of course, here, Greg, I'd argue Harbortown, one of the more unique courses on the PGA Tour, does not necessarily require distance, more of an accuracy game with tree-lined fairways, some of the smallest greens on the schedule. What else do we look for around this track? Yeah, a positional golf course. and The accuracy thing is really interesting. Um, you know, what... What type of player has the ability to get the ball and play off the tee? And that that's all. And then who are the great iron players who can do that? And so I think when you mix this stronger field and you start to mix the uh, the the best players in the world at a golf course like this, the two strategies don't always align. And so that's why I think it'll really test um, the narrative, as Sia says, of what um, of what typically does well here and what typically does well on the PGA Tour. And it, it makes for a, a fascinating conversation and discussion uh, and, and fascinating decisions when it comes to your DFS lineup. So, I mean, you think of a, a guy like Patrick Cantlay. Well, he may not be the most accurate week to week on the PGA Tour, but if he's throttling back off the tee to get the ball in position, because it, it's, a, it's a positional golf course off the tee, especially, um, can he get the ball and play enough. Is he inaccurate in normal events because distance is favored and it's an advantage and you're trying to get it out there as far as you can or, and, and I'm just using Patrick Cantlay as an example, mm-hmm. but can, is he a guy who can, when he throttles back, get it in play because that's what the golf course is asking for. So I, I can't wait to break all that down. Yeah. Kind of a, a typical course, a typical course, not, a space typical, atypical, all right word type of golf course, Sia, because uh, generally speaking, the better players hit it further, very generally speaking. Uh, but we know that shorter, more accurate golfers are very live this week, and it's created a situation where we've seen some long shot winners. Uh, Stuart Sink last year was 100 to 1. CT Pan in 2019 was 125. Satoshi Kadaira in 2018 was 250 to 1. So it really is a golf course that I believe opens itself up to a lot of potential victors. 
Uh, our good friend Satoshi. That's great to hear that. So yeah, and that's why when you're looking at the ranges, especially when you go to the 7K range, I'm telling you, and not you, Rick, uh, I'm telling everybody, you're going to like everyone. There are so many guys to like, and it's because now we have everybody kind of in play here. I was just, you know, looking at the 7K range saying, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to X out, you know, five or 50% of the guys I like, if not more, because there's just so many that I like. So when you bring all of those people into play, it does almost kind of make it harder. You're just going to have to take some stands, make some decisions and not play guys that you would ordinarily, you know, like to play at this tournament. I mean, just, you can't play them all. Take some stands, make some decisions. We're going to do that. We're by starting with the $10,000 range, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Oh, and we're back. And we are looking at the cheat sheet because there are five golfers over $10,000. Justin Thomas back in action, 11100 Cam Smith, 10-8. Dustin Johnson, 10-5. Colin Morikawa is 10-2. And an even $10,000 for Patrick Cantlay. Greg, I'll start with you. Every single golfer priced $8,400 or more played last week. So we've got that going for us. But the top five are the big boys. What do we do? Well, it, there's a couple guys that are really interesting in this range. What, what, what it, Cam Smith, 
you would think this could be a course he excels at because uh, he's a great iron player, great short game and, and putter. So the small greens you would think would benefit him. Driving accuracy is a concern out here. And also the emotional defeat of last week, I think, could also be a concern. But it's probably a good idea for him to play, to move forward and, and kind of clear the slate with that. But JT is the really interesting guy in this range because there's there's a clear favorite here to me that's not Justin Thomas. The, the guy that just stands out as this should be a great week for him is Colin Morikawa. Not, you have the the round that he played that was a blast. I mean, that group with Rory must have been so much fun to play in. But then you just combine that with this year that he's had. And if you look at just the PGA Tour and you take out the Players' Championship, which had some crazy weather, and the and the Valspar, and he's finished in the top 10 in every event in 2022. Uh, every event in the wraparound season as well. So it's been a great year for him so far. And the golf course should fit. He's extremely accurate off the tee. And he is one of the best iron players, if not the best iron player in the game. Those two things are really important. It's like this course is built for Colin Morikawa. Uh, and then you you look at his, his, his history here. It's short, as it is everywhere. Uh, but it tied seventh last year. So Colin Morikawa looks like the guy. Um, but Sia, do you think he's going to be extremely popular? I wouldn't say extremely popular. I think he's he's going to be popular, but there are so many good decisions to be made in this top range that it's not like he's going to suck up all the ownership here. You can make an argument literally for every single person in this range. And, and I actually think across the board, because everybody's in play, you of course, you're going to see some popular guys, especially in that 7K, that bargain range. But I don't think there's going to... I don't. I don't want to say you don't have to worry about ownership, but I don't think there's going to be more than you know one or two guys where, where you're looking at an eye-popping number from an ownership standpoint. So while I do think Colin, especially off the momentum of what we saw with him and Rory you know, on Sunday, I definitely think people will want to play him, but I don't think the number is going to be out of control. Colin Morikawa, 88th in driving distance. So he's not particularly short. He's not particularly long. That's about right in the middle uh ninth in driving accuracy plays out of the fairway often which as we're already identifying uh you can't get out you can't get too far off the beaten path here at harbor town or you're gonna run into a lot of tree issues see i'll bounce this right back to you here uh when you start assessing the ten thousand dollar range how do you see it? it yeah again it's hard to make an argument against any of these guys I, you know i don't think if i was going to make an argument against anybody Unless he's super low owned and, and a leverage play, I'm not sure I would get to Patrick Cantlay. But I, again, you can make an argument for him. I totally get it. I do like Morikawa. I like DJ a lot. I, I feel like DJ is still getting a little unrecognized. Uh, the game isn't fully there yet, but I, I liked what I saw him approach last week in particular. Off the tee was a little questionable. Um, we saw him actually last week club down quite a bit off the tee, which he's going to be doing this week as well. So we'll see what happens with that. But I was encouraged by his approach play. His finishing positions here haven't been outstanding, but they haven't really been bad either. I, I'm just trying to catch DJ a little bit earlier than everybody else. So he's the one that I'm really focused on. But again, I think Colin's a great play. I think JT is a pretty good play. Um, it's probably going to be DJ and Colin for me up here. Well, let's mine into Patrick Cantlay here, Greg, because I, I think he's kind of the X factor on the slate. Public sentiment, I don't think is particularly great. 39th at the Masters, did not get out of his group at the match play, missed the cut at the players from the correct side of the draw, and then a T33 at the Genesis Invitational. That's just four events. You want to look at the four before that? 
runner up T4, ninth, fourth, go back further than that, two wins. So we're not all that far removed, at least in terms of number of starts from Patrick Cantley being super, super elite. And of course, he's got the great history around here, three top 10 finishes in his last four starts. I think he's the X factor on the slate. I don't know how he's going to play, but I think he either wins all the money or loses you all the money. He, he could be a great pivot. And, and I have no problem with the option. I, I think his style of play should really work. And, and in this stretch where the finishes weren't really great, they were kind of lackluster. His iron play this year has been a little bit of a letdown compared to really hot Patrick Cantlay that we've seen. Uh, and that improved last week. At Augusta National, he hit the ball much better, um, really off the tee and approaching the green. He just struggled on the greens. And there are a lot of people who struggle on those greens. So I think Patrick Cantlay could be a very interesting play, and I have no problem going with him. So I, I, the one fear is it, it's been a little lackluster. What, what's the is the fire is the fire there this week? Do we have a is this a potential week for a ceiling week, a pop week? And it doesn't feel like that, but he's good enough to do it. So that gives me a lot of confidence, and and I feel I feel it may be coming. I feel what we saw last week, T to green was a, a big improvement and maybe what we need to get Patrick Cantlay going again. And it, he's, he's priced for it. I think the price is really fair. Uh, you could start a lineup there at, at 10,000 and, and you're in really good shape the rest of the way. So I, I like the Patrick Cantlay play probably not as much as Morikawa, but I, I really like it. Patrick Cantlay, the Pete Dye specialist. One and a half strokes gains per round over 69 rounds on Pete Dye golf courses. If you like that type of thing, right up your alley. Okay, see, let's um let's put some numbers behind this. Five golfers in the ten thousand dollar range. Uh, please give me your number one, your number two, and your number three. I'll go. Man, you guys are convincing me a little bit with Colin. I'm just gonna stick to my guns. I'll go DJ, Colin, Cam Smith. I'll go Colin. Thomas Cantlay, Greg. I'll go Colin Cantlay. Mm. Nice. Johnson. Nobody okay. calls him Johnson. <laughs> I know. That's you've never heard. Weird. I was like, who is that? <laughs> I was trying to stick with the last name thing. I like it. Uh, all right, let's get out to the $9,000 range here. Shane Lowry, $9,800. Corey Connors, $9,700. Daniel Berger, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sung J.M. Rounded out with Jordan Spieth, Joaquin Neiman, Russell Henley, Sia. Oh, boy. Um, there's a lot happening here. There's guys who are playing horribly. There's guys that are playing awesome. There's a little bit of good course history, a little bit of bad course history. It's a grab bag. What do you want to grab? It's such a great range, and, and it's, it's, it's furthering the case study of is it really going to be a long shot that wins this tournament? Because if, if you ask me, maybe you go Sung JM forward versus the field. Like, in other words, 9,300 and above versus the field. I wonder what that, you know, handicapping number would be because I, I kind of like what I see Sung J up and above. It's just, or maybe you could you start with Joaquin Neiman. I don't know. But I like a lot of these guys. Shane Lowry, I, I don't know that you could make a a cogent argument against Shane Lowry at this point like a legitimately I, I don't know that you could just say like out loud like oh I just don't like Shane Lowry I, I don't I don't see I don't see it this week he has been so good for so long and especially with the conditions that we might see here I don't really see that interrupting him very much in terms of how his play has been so he certainly sticks out to me 
Last 36 rounds for Shane Lowry, gaining 2.02 strokes per round. That is second to only Scotty Scheffler. Now, there are DP World Tour rounds in there. So if you change that to the weighted strokes gained numbers, which take into account strength of field, um, Shane Lowry is fifth in this field in strokes gained total. Uh, over his last 36. It's been it's been an awesome run, Greg. It's been absolutely phenomenal what, what Lowry's been up to, and he's doing it in a way with the ball striking that is generally sustainable. It's it's everything. That's why it's sustainable, right? His driving has been great. His iron play has been fantastic. It, short game may be the one area that's been a little weak, but when you're hitting it like he is, it's not a worry. The putting has been great too. So I, I And then you add into that, that he came in tied ninth here last year. And in 2019, he came in tied third. So he has, he has a, a very good record here. Um, and, and I'm, I, I couldn't be higher on Shane Lowry. He, the yeah. one thing is, and, and again, this goes back to the Scotty Scheffler argument. Do you, do you fade him because you think the run's going to end? And because it's the week after a Masters, and maybe it's a letdown week. And last week was emotional for him. You could see it in all the, post-round press conferences uh, is that a concern i i don't know but I, I think he is a little underpriced in this range i could but i understand why he's here i'm not going to say it's a it's a jip but there's another guy i go to in this range that i think is just way underpriced before we get to that guy greg uh here's the optimal lineup from last week at the master scotty chef with the most expensive golfer on the slate was in it cam smith obviously in it shane lowry who we're talking about right now also in it and then see we rounded this out uh very rare to have three six thousand dollar golfers uh in the optimal but that's what happens when the expensive guys come through min Wu lee was 6500 harry higgs was 63 and kevin na was 68 Add it all up, $49,300, got you 500 points, the best possible lineup you could have made. Yeah, I just, I can't believe Harry Higgs held up at the Masters for four days, to be perfectly honest. Like, that one really surprises me. As far as Kevin Nye, I know, including myself, a lot of people were off him because they didn't think he had the requisite length. That that obviously was an incorrect assessment by myself. Um, as far as Cam Smith, Scotty Scheffler, and Shane Lowry, I guess, I guess we can't be surprised there. But, but that's the ultimate Stars and Scrubs lineup for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine playing that lineup. No. Maybe, maybe that's why I, I haven't selected an optimal lineup. But it, it's like, how do you, because the Kevin Nothings, he had to, he played so hard. He had to fight so hard for four days. It, it was brutal for him. Mm-hmm. He was at such a disadvantage out there. And I watched his tape and it was like, I, I don't, fault you for not playing him i don't think it's a wrong assessment i don't see how you can predict that kind of success unless you're in his camp and you know he's feeling really good you know i i i don't does i don't fault you for that does a camp ever tell you that their guy's not feeling good right <laughs> it's like it's like preseason football where everybody's in the best shape of their life mm-hmm. everyone's like ah he's got a chance this week but uh, if you try yeah. to win the Super Bowl, but if you've personally seen it, you know, if you're out there, you're watching and you're seeing not not what what they're telling you, what you see. And that's hard to that's hard to do because you're right. probably going to still like it every week. Well, Greg, I'll just take this right back to you because you teased the guy that you liked more. Who who was the guy you were referring to over Shane Lowry here? I, I just can't believe Matt Fitzpatrick's price. Hmm. I mean, this this is the guy that's first on tour and strokes gain total. He has he has been so good. 
every event since the players. I mean, 14th, 18th. He, he didn't get out of a group with the winner. The, the hardest group. He was in a playoff to get out of the hardest group in the match play. Tied 5th at the Valspar. Tied ninth at the API, tied tenth at the waste management. And this is tied sixth at the Pebble Beach Pro Am. This isn't like uh, well, there are certain courses that fit him. This is this guy is playing as good a golf as anybody, and and now this course does fit him. It, It may fit him even better. You look at this history here. He only came and tied fourth last year. Tied fourteenth the year before that. Two years before that, tied fourteenth again. I, I am so intrigued with Matt Fitzpatrick and what he's done. And um, he is a really, really good option this week. Does uh, the ceiling matter? See, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily care about Matt Fitzpatrick's ceiling. If he was $8,100, $7,800, he's a staple uh, basically from T8 to T16. Do we worry at all that $9,500, a guy that might be kind of an anchor in your lineup, maybe doesn't win as much on on the PGA Tour as we would like to see? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm worried about with Fitzpatrick, because I I like Fitzpatrick just as much as Greg in general terms. I think it matters this tournament, though, because I think there's a lot of potential for guys well below Fitzpatrick's price range to have perhaps more win equity than Matt Fitzpatrick. So I'm not saying I think he's a bad play. Like this whole 9K range is another range I I really like. But when it comes down to it and when it comes down to me having to select like two or three guys, unfortunately, despite what Greg said, I don't think Matt Fitzpatrick makes the cut for me. Who does make the cut for you? All right. So Shane Lowry, of course. Um, Corey Connors is interesting because you almost you almost want to wait and see when does his sort of crashes, momentary crash and burn start as well, because he's been on a nice little hot streak as well. So he's somebody I'm I'm still I think he's a great course fit. He's definitely somebody I'm considering, but so far, maybe not among my favorites. I I like man, I think Daniel Berger is going to be a little popular. I'll tell you what, my model really likes Neiman and Henley. I never play Henley. My model liked Neiman last week. I played him and he did great. My model also liked Henley last week. I did not play him. And this week, I think I might want to come around and play Russell Henley. Um, I mean, he just writes out so well in so many metrics, including that approach play that we're looking for, but also in terms of creating opportunities and DK points. He's He's been stellar across the board there. I think he had a ninth place finish here last year. So it, it, it's probably Lowry, maybe Connors. And Russell Henley. I think those are the three I'm liking right now the most. Uh, Russell Henley, literally number one in strokes gain approach this season. He is much more accurate than he is long off the tee. Uh, Greg, there's still a couple other names here in the in the $9,000 range. We've uh, conveniently avoided Jordan Spieth to this point. I don't know if that says something about what we're uh, what we're looking to do this time around. Well, maybe the miscut is a, a good thing for him in this event. Um, and the reason I say that is I, I look at Corey Connors and I th- he's played a lot of golf, right? You play, you go to the finals of the match play, you play the Valero four rounds there. You play meaningful golf all week at, at the masters. It's a, it's, it's a little bit extra golf than if he were just playing four weeks in a row. Um, it, with Jordan, you get that rest is rest. What Jordan really needed. I I don't think so, but maybe it maybe it's a benefit. I, I like what he's done, T to Green. Even last week, I, I know the stats aren't great, but if you watch the 
you watch the tape on him, he hit a lot of really quality shots. He just got on the wrong side of some ridges uh, and, and he didn't make birdies the way that he typically does. But um, that his recent form is kind of questionable. So the, the big thing for me with Jordan is still the short putting. And that that's, you can see it in the stats. Strokes game putting is not good. And he's just given strokes away from inside of four feet. I don't trust that personally. So I'm, I'm out on Spieth this week, but it wouldn't surprise me if he had a nice week. I just, I don't think he's anywhere near as reliable as, uh, as, as a Matt Fitzpatrick. I don't think he's as reliable as Russell Henley. I think Russell Henley's a, a better play, even though he's missed a couple of short putts of his own. But I, I think there are better options in this range than Jordan Spieth. It's so annoying because he's objectively a pretty bad play, right? I mean, this is a place that if you spray it off the tee, you're going to get in trouble. He doesn't have his best weapon. The putter's been horrendous. I agree that outside of one round, the approach play's been pretty darn good. But like, I don't know if I could pick like a worse spot for Jordan Spieth. And really, the only time he's had success here was when he was the number one player in the world and he was having success everywhere. So I, but, but I'm afraid to be like, Jordan Speed is terrible. Don't play him. Look at like I, I, there's still a part of me in the back of my head that is concerned about fading him. Right. Cause he, he I mean, you, if your concern with Fitzpatrick is the ceiling, well, you're never concerned about Speed's ceiling. He could win any, he could win any week. I mean, you look at his numbers, take the, take the red block of, of approach the green at the Masters out. And this guy's striping it. And you add in what you know he can do on the greens and you have a winner, right? That, so the, the recipe, the formula is right there. I just don't have a lot of faith in it. I, I think that's a big ask for the putter to all of a sudden get hot. Um, and, and he, in a way, relies on it. I think it's a good point you make, Rick, about his accuracy off the tee. That's definitely a concern. Um, it, it's been, there have been signs, there have been times when it's been better, but uh, I, I, I have my worries with Jordan this week to, uh, Greg's point. He's actually been, so you're looking at, you're looking at round by round, uh, metrics. Now that minus four and a half that he lost on Friday at the masters, um, is by far his worst in a long time. And he, he was generally, I mean, he gained on Thursday, basically a stroke, uh, to the field. So the, the approach play has been a lot better than maybe what that, what that even shows. Um, anything else in the nine K range or should we move it along? See ya. I, I think that's it. I mean, I, I don't know if we brought up Sung JM and impressive, impressive performance last week, but I don't think I'm going to be playing Sung J. All right, let's go down to the $8,000 range. Then we'll find some value in the sevens and the sixes. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American express business gold card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. $8,000. It's pretty small. See a Simpson, Horschel, Hatton, Harold Varner III, Sibu Kim. Then we rounded out with Alex Noren, Tommy Fleetwood, Kevin Kisner, and Chris Kirk. Uh, what's our best way to attack the eights? There's a couple guys that I like here. I think there's potentially some leverage plays here once ownership starts, you know, making itself known. I mean, I think guys like, you know, Billy Horschel, uh, Harold Varner, uh, maybe even Siwoo, Tommy Fleetwood might carry some lower ownership. But right now, there's only one guy I really like, and there's two guys I'm considering. I really like Alex Norm. I like mm, what he's done here. It hasn't been elite stuff. But then again, Alex Norm's approach play as of late has been elite. I think Alex Noren is one of those guys that, you know, we typically talk about being on the ascent as we see here as approach play just over the last couple of tournaments has, it has been like substandard for him. Nothing, nothing like it's not a disaster, but prior to that, and we talked about him a lot, a couple of months ago, the approach play was pristine and we know what he can do with the short game. So put that all together in at 8,300, we just talked about outright potential. We talked specifically about Matt Fitzpatrick. Now, I'm not saying Noren is a better play than Matt Fitzpatrick. Let's take the prices out of it. I'm just saying like from outright potential. I think you could make the argument that Alex Noren on this course has the outright potential that Matt Fitzpatrick does, and yet you're getting him at 8,300. I just really like this play. Yeah, Alex Noren, and um, there's a guy we could talk about in a bit. We've been tracking like these these gains on approach, and Alex Noren, uh, certainly in that category, he's got three top 28s in his three trips here, but I'd argue he's playing better leading in this week uh, than any of those previous weeks. Okay, Greg, what else do we see here in this $8,000 range? Uh, well, Webb Simpson's hard to look past because of his history. Yeah. So I, I don't think we can go without talking about Webb. Uh, I'm not overly enamored with his performance so far this year, but I feel like it's trying to get better. And, and I like that he's playing a little bit now. It seems like maybe there's a little bit more of a rhythm and he's going to find something and this could be a get right week for, for Webb. So I, I have a hard time just looking past that. I love Norin as Sia said, I really like Chris Kirk as well. Uh, Chris Kirk has been striping the ball this year mm -hmm. and he's also has played pretty well here, especially in his last start. Um, it, he was tied seventh last year when he played here, which was his best, his best finish here. Um, by a significant margin. I mean, he has a couple of other reasonable finishes, but he could be interesting. He didn't play the Masters. Maybe some people kind of are, are scared away because of that. So I, I do find him to be rather interesting. Um, and um, I'm also, I'm so hesitant to say this, but I like what I've seen out of Tommy Fleetwood. And I'm one, I'm wondering if, if Tommy Fleetwood is, who has a, a tied 25th year, I'm wondering if Tommy Fleetwood is coming back to Tommy Fleetwood form. He's he's gained strokes on the greens, right? His biggest his biggest weakness, if you will, in in what six of seven, something like that. Uh, at least five of six, yeah. Five of six, five. It's five of six. So the the putter has been great for him, and I think the ball striking starting to come around. So he might be, and this is old Tommy Fleetwood, very accurate off the tee, very good iron player, and putting well. And, and that's a great recipe. 
Yeah, they're re- it's really the best stat profile we've seen from Tommy since probably before COVID, honestly. So and at that point, he's way underpriced. Yeah, he finished third at the Honda, uh, you know, two weeks before everything shut down. And he was really never the same, at least in the advanced metrics since then. What he's showing right now much more resembles the early 2020 stuff. Yeah, and so that that piques my interest because I'm wondering, is there some value there? Um, so I, I mean, I, I really like this range. I like this 8K range. I, I, I think, um, I, I think with Fleetwood, with Kirk, Kisner's playing some good golf. Norin is it looks so good. He lo- he looks like the guy. Um, but I, I think there's hidden value with Tommy Fleetwood. The only two golfers, $8,000 and up, that did not play last week. Alex Noren, Chris Kirk. Sia, do we care one way or another about whether somebody played last week? No, I don't think so. Uh, not unless we saw something that would you know, sound the alarm bells. I, I think uh, I think all of these guys are in play. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I, you know, there's always the what argument. Do you, what do you like in this range, Rick? Um, so I have zero idea what to do with Webb. Quite honestly, I I agree that it's like maybe getting better and it's elite course history. And if we just play web on web courses, this is one of them. Uh, I would prefer Norin. I would prefer probably Siwoo Kim uh, as like a high risk, high reward option. And then I also agree with the sentiment around uh, this is the best we've seen Tommy in a long time, which is scary. It's super scary, but this is the best we've seen him. So I, I want to ask you a little about the Siwoo Kim, the high risk, high reward, because he's great at die courses, right? Yep. This is like auto one and done play territory for Kyle Porter. Yeah. Um, but hmm. when you build a lineup with Siwoo in it, are you more interested in a, a like would would Matt Fitzpatrick be a more um, would that be a better combo? You know, you don't have the or you don't think you have the upside with, with Fitzpatrick, but does he give you the safety you need to balance out the risk of a Siwoo Kim? Yeah. So I think if I was playing guys that I thought were safer, I'd try to find some partners that I thought were more volatile. So that's actually a really good example is Matt Fitzpatrick and, and Siwoo Kim starting that lineup gives you kind of probably a lot of leverage on the field, depending on what Siwoo comes in at. And it gives you a lot of, different paths to the top. You know, you think Fitzpatrick's going to be in the mix one way or another. If he proves me, if he proves me wrong and shows me a ceiling, I'm happy. And if I get Siwoo who can always tap into it, uh, I'm happy there as well. So it's kind of like, I don't know, a backup plan for my backup plan. Right. And I, I think Siwoo's not at all that risky too. I mean, he's playing some pretty good golf. Yeah, I, listen, I know he has it. He just he just does this every once in a while, right? Lose seven strokes on approach, lose five and a half on approach, lose six with the putter. There's just like, but but he he balances that with gain five off the tee, uh, gain eight from tee to green, gain five with the putter. He's just like, he's gonna put up big numbers in these categories. I don't know which ones they're gonna be, and I don't know if they're gonna be positive or negative. But for the most part, they're gonna be positive and they're gonna help me. I like it. I I like that play. The more I look at it. Uh, and he lost strokes off the tee at the Masters, which is the first time since Shriners. So, I mean, that's probably an outlier. He probably gets back to driving it well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's paths for Siwoo. Um, 
Anybody else in the 8K range, Sia, that I can uh, offer up to you? Maybe a Billy Horschel, maybe a Terrell Hatton, anybody? Hatton is interesting to me. He hasn't been great on approach as of late, but I do think he has the game for this course. I, I think I might throw Hatton into a couple of lineups. Like if I'm doing 15 lineups, maybe he's in one or two. Uh, I don't think I'm going to, even though I think Billy Horschel is an interesting leverage play, I, I don't think I'm going to get to him. All right, well, I'll let you kick off this $7,000 range here. I won't read them all because as usual, this is a massive range. Kokrak, McNeely, Na, Kucher at the top, and it goes down to C.T. Pan, Cam Tringale, Ricky, F- Ricky Fowler, and Scott Stahl. <laughs> Ricky Fowler. It's it's genuinely difficult to decide in this range because I think there are so many options. So I'll just I'll start just by listing a handful of names that I like. Uh, Mav McNeely, I, I do like. I, I I worry a little bit that he might be popular this week, and and that's fine. Again, we learned last week you can play popular players like a Cam Smith last week, for example. But I don't know that I like Mav McNeely enough to play him. If he's super popular, and I say that only because I like so many other guys in the 7K range, which includes Matt Kuchar, uh, Adam Hadwin, Tom Hoagie, Kevin Streelman, uh, JJ Spawn. I know it's a lot of names. Russell Knox, and I'll throw I'll throw kind of a an outlier in there that I don't think a lot of people will play because most of the names I said are going to be relatively popular. I think Dylan Fratelli is an interesting leverage play this week, so I'll, I'll throw him out there. And maybe a Charles Howard III as, as a potential leverage play. Okay. Dylan Fratelli coming off an eighth place finish in uh, Texas. He finished eighth here in 2020. That was a much stronger field that year. Kevin Streelman's got a couple of uh, top 25s in a row, and he's got a handful of top 10s in recent years. So I imagine I can figure out why C is getting to these guys. Uh, Greg, who else would we prefer in this tier of, of salary? I, I like a number of those guys. I mean, I think uh, I think riding the um, the Adam Hadwin train is probably a good idea. Uh, but the other one that Sia didn't mention, who sticks out to me, is Mito Pereira, who's had some mm-hmm. really. No- I mean, he hasn't played here, so I don't know how he's going to do here. But he's had some really nice finishes of late, starting back at the Genesis, where he was tied fifteenth. He was tied thirteenth at the Valero just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he did lose strokes there, but before that, it was five straight gaining uh, and some significantly. So I, I think his ball striking is is back, and I think that's what you need around this golf course. He could be a really interesting option, and he didn't he he hasn't been so hot like a like a Adam Hadwin, where you just can't take your you know you, you can't look away. He didn't play in the Masters like a Kevin Na. Uh, he didn't come in tied fourth here last year like Mav McNeely, and maybe there's a Maybe people kind of shy away from him a little bit. So I think Mito could be kind of a um, another safer play in a in a range where you're looking for some differentiation. All right, let, let's just do the Adam Hadwin thing. I'll 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 do a Freaky Friday and turn myself into Greg Ducharme. We've been tracking this approach play since the start of 2022. It is obviously much better. It has resulted in three consecutive top ten finishes. Uh, he did not play the Masters. There is also one thing, Sia, that I don't normally look at, but weeks like this and weeks like Pebble Beach, I will, and it's the the bucket of of where shots are hit from. So uh, Harbor Town, because there is a lot of 
um, shorter drives, fourth shortest driving distance uh, course on the PGA Tour, and a lot of dog legs and a lot of tree-lined areas. A lot of guys hit from the same spot, 175 to 200 yards. There's twice as many shots from that range as the tour average. Um, Adam Hadwin, amongst all the other things that he's good at, is 17th on tour in that bucket. Now, again, there's flaws with that, but combine it with all the other stuff I already liked, and I, I think I really like Adam Hadwin this time around. Yeah, and if you go last 24 rounds only, he's eighth. So, I mean, I, I totally get that. He certainly rates out well. Pretty much across the board, the putter can sometimes be a problem, but it, he creates opportunities. He leaves it in the fairway. The approach play is pristine. It's, it's top 10, last 24 rounds at least. Um, I, I don't really see a problem with Adam Hadwin. I, I think Adam Hadwin actually has some outright equity as well. Let me, uh, let me. I love hearing that, by the way. Yeah, we thought you would. Uh, let me show you Honor Bond real quick. Honor Bond Lahiri. And I want to get your guys' opinion on this. So basically nothing for six months. And then he goes out and he finishes runner-up at the Players' Championship, T13 the Valero Texas Open in each of his last two starts. Gains a ton of strokes in the ball striking categories in both of them. Greg, I'll start with you. When you see this, a quick, huge improvement in a very important part of the game. Without knowing anything else, does this look like an outlier or the start of something? Well, without knowing anything else, it looks like an outlier, but we okay. do know something else. Um, we know that we know at the players championship, he, he added some weight to his irons, which, and go ahead. Can you just send me like two rolls of lead tape? Because everything I hear is like, oh, I put some lead tape on and now I'm Tiger Woods. Just send me some of that, please, and I'll be good. Yeah, I mean, swing weight is a huge factor in fitting. And it, it, when you go from not being able to feel where the club is to being able to feel it and it works, it's, a, oh, okay, he does know how to, from an instruction standpoint, you're trying to square the face. And at the elite level, it's it's not like, um, okay, well, this, there's, there's nobody out here who can't control the face, but the guys who really have a good feel for it, they know where it is. It means they're going to have control over their golf ball. And he's in this, this unique space where this is like the JJ spawn thing where something flipped, you, you figured something out that was a problem. That's not a problem anymore. That gives you confidence. And then you see it work and it gives you even more confidence. So he's riding really high right now. And I, I wish this was the third week in a row. I'd be all over it. If it was the third week in a row, you don't know if he came back to earth in his practice, but I I'm still, I'm, I'm very high on it. And this is, this is so interesting because there's a reason for it. And when you have that reason, it, it does really well for players. There are countless stories of, of similar things to this. It could be something with the body like it was for J.J. Spawn. Um, it, you know, it could be, who maybe it's a caddy change like Scotty Scheffler and there's a gel, there's a new gel. It invigorates you. So I, I think there's really something to Anurban Lahiri. And, that, and now he's 7,100. Guy coming off of a second and a tied 13th in his last two starts. Big fields. I mean, I mean this is legit. All right. All right. All right. I'll play him. Fine. You're twisting my arm so much here. Fine, fine, fine. Um, bottom of the seven K range. See anybody else here? I think I'm, I think I'm off the air and wise bandwagon, which means he'll win, but we did not, <laughs> we did not get the sustained putting gains that we saw in the fall much longer than that. So I think I can bid him 
ado, but anybody else here in the bottom of the sevens that we might be interested in? So a couple things. First of all, I, I think the Lahiri play is super smart. I'm I'm legitimately like angry that I didn't think of that. I just my and it's just one of those players. Your eyes just gloss right past him. Yeah. So I, uh, I think that's a really smart play. Get ahead of it. Um, I know we don't see a big enough sample size, but at 7100, listen, he he hung tough at the players on Sunday when things weren't really going very well. He still hung tough. I, I think that's really telling about his confidence, not just his game. So I, I really like that play. The, the one thing is a little staggering to me. Every once in a while, I see this. I think it was at the players where I saw Henrik Stenson. I think he was like 6300. And I'm like, wow, it's just so weird to see Stenson down there. Cameron Tringale. Listen, I know we don't like him anymore because he's really burned a lot of people. But at 7,000 in this field, I'm not suggesting him as a play necessarily, but you two have to admit that's a staggeringly low price for yeah. Tringale in this field. Yeah, it's really low. What are we doing? That's weird. Well, the the other the other guy at 7,000 is I, I think CT Pan's kind of interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a past champion here. And I think he's hitting the ball pretty well of late. Finishes have been a little inconsistent, but he comes back to a place he likes, striking it well. I could be interested in that. Um, but Cameron Tringale, I know what you mean. The the form isn't necessarily great, but could be could be sneaky. I mean, a he's, lot of that. He's Go three ahead, starts. Rick. He's three starts removed from a thirteenth place finish. He's six starts removed from a third. Um, I will say this. So he's 7,000 this week. Uh, that's the cheapest he's been. So he was also 7,000 at Summit Club in October. But if you you know exclude that, he's not been this cheap since the 2021 Phoenix Open. So that's 14 months ago. Yeah, and cre- I mean, you, you scroll down. I'm curious. When he came back for the, for the Summit Club, he had been on a long layoff, if I recall. But I, I might be completely wrong there. Um, so no. here he was, no, he played Shriners. He yeah. played the two weeks before. No, he played. Okay. Into- fair enough. Fair enough. He, he's also, he's never made the cut here, which just brings up the question relates to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Does, how much do you factor in course history here? He also, hasn't he also, ha- he hasn't played in a while. And he's yeah, like, exactly. he's been like the most improved golfer twice since then. Remember yeah. Like, yeah. It's a good won, point. When Steve Stricker won most improved two years in a row. Yeah, back to back comeback player possible? of the year. Was it comeback player of the year? Was it most yeah. comeback? It was comeback, yeah. That's why crazy. I don't know how that's possible. They don't have the award anymore. Yeah, because there's no integrity to the award. If a yeah, that's so back to back years. What are you doing? Ah, oh, shameful. Uh, six thousand dollar range starts with Carlos Ortiz, Charlie Hoffman, Danny Willett, Doug Gim, Mackenzie Hughes goes down to, oh boy, the flat. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of guys min price this week. Let me think of some notables here. William McGirt, Morgan Hoffman back in action. Kevin Tway, James Pyatt. He's the amateur we saw last week. Um, James Hahn, Chesson Hadley, Brian Gay, all included in a fairly sizable $6,000 range. What do you see out of this tier of golfer, Greg? Uh, the first guy I'm drawn to is Nate Lashley. 
I think he's been playing a lot better golf than a lot of guys in this range. Uh, he he came in tied seventh at the Puerto Rico Open, tied 27th at the Valspar, tied 18th at the Valero Texas Open. So he really has my interest. But at that price with some really good form, I mean, that's a sign of confidence to me. Uh, his only start here is a miscut, unfortunately. Uh, Emiliano Grillo, he has my interest because I know the potential's there. He's coming off of two missed cuts, but I, I like that price, and it feels like a golf course he could really excel at um, and, and have some luck. Um, Matthew Neesmith, a, a fan favorite here, one start, oh, yes. the tied third. What's the uh, what's the world famous Matthew Matthew Neesmith comment that we will hear one thousand times this week? You know it, Greg. Come on, bud. Come on, bud. You're in the business. You know it, Greg. I don't think I do. You is know this it, the one, right? Is this the one where he proposed to his wife on the 18th? Oh. Proposed to his wife on the 18th green at Harbortown. Yep. That's right. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe that's C as narrative. Pl- <laughs> players who have proposed to their wife on an 18th green. <laughs> if you can find five more, I'd be impressed. <laughs> I clearly couldn't find any, so I, I guess I missed that one. You could you could do an all-proposal lineup if you throw, well, I can, you would have John Rahm. At Tory Pines, right? Yep. Mm. What else we got? It's two. I am kind of blanked out there. <laughs> Where'd you propose, Greg? Uh, at a um, Trader Joe's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was at aisle three of the of the local grocery <laughs> Once store. Once a year, he goes in <laughs> <laughs> for our. We go there for our anniversary. <laughs> no, I I proposed at a uh, a family gathering. Which was pretty cool. Oh, because it was actually there, you could just like celebrate right away. Yeah, and it right. wasn't just a family gathering. It was actually my now wife's baby shower. Mm. So she was pregnant at the time, and with our oldest Mac. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had a lot of debate about it. And one of both of our friends was like, "I think I think it's a, a kind of a good idea." I think it's it's one of those things you don't know. Like, is that, does that spoil the, but you're right. Everybody was there. It it was like a merge party. And if something is kind of a good idea, you got to jump, you got to jump right into it. That's what I'm Yeah. Well, I mean, it's better than doing something lame. (laughs) There's at least a little pizzazz there, but anyway, um, I got one other guy, please. Hudson Swafford. Yeah. My interest this week. Yeah, hopefully he's got his uh, PXGs all figured out and the heads can stay on this time around. But yeah, that, that was that crazy. Was First of all, he hit that ball like 230 yards as the head flew off of it. I know. And he was like, uh, his reaction was hysterical. He acted like like it was the wor- like biggest, <laughs> most obscene thing that could have ever happened to him. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> he couldn't handle it. It had me crack it up. But he's been playing pretty, he's been playing all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played well. 30th last week, uh, may, has made a couple of cuts in a row. Obviously, he won earlier in the year. Where did he win at? Um, American the Express, American right? Express. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, see ya. I've got two guys. Joel Damon is 6,800 bucks. Keeps the ball in play. I like that. I think you need it this week. And I'm willing to run. Uh, I want one more week with Bo Hostler. Finished fourth mm-hmm. in, te- in Texas. Uh, he's got like three top 20s in his last four starts. If you... Look at kind of the similarities between Harbor Town and um, Pebble Beach, which is short, small greens, kind of natural landing areas. He's got 
he's got a good crossover at Pebble. I I, I got to run him out there one more time and see what happens. I totally agree. He's he's one of the guys I have uh, written down here. I, I like Hostler. I like Joel Dahman as well. Uh, Lashley made it to my list. Matthew Naismith made it to my list. A few other guys to mention that are in the lower range. I, I you know I wanted to look into Brendan Todd. I will mention that. I'm really impressed with the eighth place finish at the Valero Texas Open. I think he's a great course fit here specifically. I do want to caution with Brendan Todd that, and I see the 39th place finish in 2021, but the caution is he did gain over four strokes putting at the Valero Texas Open. But in his defense, the other metrics were actually pretty good. And in his defense, that's and like, he's a great putter. Yeah, that's his thing. <laughs> like, oh no, that's true. That's no, that's a good point. But I'm just saying, like, like if it was all if it was all putting and it was nothing else, that would be one thing. But it actually wasn't all putting. So I just wanted to point that out there. I think he's an interesting play. We see that approach play. Maybe you know over the last two tournaments has been pretty good. So he's been he's completely fallen off the map. This would be the course for him to kind of put himself back on the map, in my opinion. Uh, another few names: Doc Redman. Uh, Adam Svensson, these guys are very cheap, very low priced. Um, Wesley Bryan, you know, the guy who was just recently fighting for his card. The approach play has bounced back a little bit for Wesley Bryan. Uh, the off the tee play is not good. But again, if you're going to get away with that, it might be here. Uh, and somebody pointed this guy out to me on Twitter earlier today. And his approach play is so amazing. Wait. But his putting is like straight out of the, the Kyle Stanley school of putting. Uh, Does so anybody want to guess? Uh, I actually think I know, but, uh, is it 6,100 Bryson Nimmer? No, uh, I know who it is. Who is Nick Waddy? No. Uh, oh. good guesses. The answer is check out Henrik Norlander. Oh, uh, I should have known that. The I can't approach believe play. he's 6,100. He used to right. be like, he, there was a six event stretch where he was that yes. guy in DFS. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Very good. Unfortunately, it's it's um, oh god, he gives it up on the greens, doesn't he? Right. Yeah, I give mean, it right back. Oh my, and then some in most cases. I think. Look my, at my, look at Watney's approach, though. That's been really good lately. Okay. I just found I I um, it's very similar in a strange way, and I just looked at it because I was guessing. Yeah. Multiple strokes on approach in three of his last four gains as well at the API T20 T30. Uh, I've seen worse. Basically, Henrik Norlander's profile. <laughs> I've seen that was worse recently. Let me look up this Nimmer guy because he's like a corn fairy. I bet you I don't have a ton of rounds on him or a ton of like measured rounds on him. But he let's see. Looks like you got yeah. two. Yeah, I don't, I've got like f- six. Uh, yeah, Palmetto, he made the cut, but that was, geez, that's coming up on a year ago. This event last year, he lost five and a half off the tee. Yeah, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of rounds on him. And that means we don't play him. That would be tough. Um, Wesley Bryan must be in on sponsor as a past champ, right? Because he did not get his card. Right. I mean, he has uh, some sort of conditional status, I believe, or partial status, right? And and because he won here, I'm sure they, I'm sure they hooked him up with a sponsor invite. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I think we can do the narrative lineup. Actually, yeah. So I I mentioned one of the guys in the narrative lineup. So this is the RBC Heritage, right? So you guys know what RBC stands for? Anyone? Royal Bank of Canada. So we have the O Canada All Canadian lineup, right? All right. Which features six Canadians. I think there are seven in the field, mind you. So you can Can switch one out. Yeah, yeah, please guess. Corey Connors. Correct. Adam Hadwin. All right. 
two. Both of them. Mac used as well. Mac used. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Svensson. Right. Three more. Two if you want to make a lineup. Three more technically that I found. Uh, hold on. Uh, we said Svensson. Uh, Nick Taylor. Okay. Nick Taylor. There's more on Nick Taylor, so just wait on. No, that. there's one that I think technically I'd be right on, but I don't think he plays under the flag. Jason Kokrak. Oh, interesting. Isn't Kokrak? Wasn't he born in? Um, I'll look it up. Well, might have been. Hey, is uh, is um, Pendrith in the field? He's not. Okay. Good. Yeah, good. I mean, he's certainly Canadian. The other two, we've mentioned one of these guys a couple times. Roger Sloan, Canadian. Yeah. And oh, Michael Michael Gligic is also. Oh, Canadian. That's so right. if you wanted to leave Michael out of it because it's hard to pronounce his name, also because he rates out the worst of the seven, your lineup would be Adam Hadwin, Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, Nick Taylor, Adam Svensson, Roger Sloan. In my opinion, not a bad lineup. No. So here's the deal, though. Strokes gain narrative. Nick Taylor actually breaks the model here. Okay, so first of all, Royal <laughs> Bank of Canada. Yeah. So he's on the Canadian team, right? Nick Taylor's on the Canadian team. It's Royal Bank of Canada. His last name, if you take the T away, you can spell the word royal. Pretty great, right? Yes. The CEO of the Royal Bank of Canada between 1986 and 1994, a man by the name of Alan Taylor shares Nick Taylor's <laughs> last name. Jeez. That time frame, 86 to 94, that's when Nick Taylor was born. He was born in 1988. Oh, and guess what day Nick Taylor was born on? Uh, April 11th. Wrong. Even better, the first day of the RBC Heritage takes place on April 14th. He was born April 14th, 1988. So you've got the Royal, you've got the CEO, Alan Taylor. You've got April 14th, 1988. You've got the Canadian in him. Oh, by the way, born in Winnipeg win a peg i don't know how you steer clear of one nick <laughs> taylor see uh, how, how do you how do you get to the ceo of like what what leads you down he really has too much time on his hands obviously uh, you know see, here's the thing the the jd after my name comes into play sometimes the one thing i'm good at and it's the one thing is meaningless in-depth research and that's what i get to do for my narrative lineups so did, what did you search like who are the former ceos of rb uh, of no, the royal canadian Googles, bank of i think Canada? he just goes to the rbc bank's wiki page and starts and there's a list of ceos and like control f things that that would make well, sense 1988 like whatever rick is very close but <laughs> Rick is very close, but the idea that I would actually find a CEO that happened to be a tailor as well, some of this you just fall into luck because of that meaningless research, but but it does typically start with things such as as Wikipedia, but I can't give all my secrets away. <laughs> the birthday thing really just blew the whole thing away. Like This was going to be a good narrative, notwithstanding the birthday part. The idea that he's actually born on April 14th That's in that time frame that Alan Taylor was the CEO, uh, it just uh, that's it's just too much, which of is course he- is why he's one of... Go ahead. Is he an actual RBC rep as well? Do we know that? Greg, does he wear does he wear the logo? He uh, I don't know. Now I, like I, I, images. He he might, but he I does. he does. He does he, he really? does. Well, he at least did when he won uh he was wearing it when he won at Pebble Beach. So at one point and he at least did at one point. I do not know if he still does, but I would imagine he So is I, this former CEO Alan Taylor his dad 
No, man. If he was related, <laughs> I just I don't know what do I would have done with myself. Sure? Like, do we know yeah. it's not? I mean, it's I, just getting too wild. It, we, I'm pretty sure. Believe me, I went the extra step to find out. Nick, I, I know. I am I know your the, father. I know the names of Alan R. Taylor's kids because I I had to like vet this out <laughs> as much as possible. It like got weird for a second. Um. I wanted to see who he was playing with next week at the Zerk. He's not playing the Zerk. Okay. Um, wow. All right. That's great. I will I will confirm Jason Kokrak, born in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. So Canadian. Option. I don't know when he moved because he doesn't, I mean, he plays under the under the US flag. His sporting nationality, American. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I don't know how we're gonna top it, but anything else before we get out of here? I'm not yes. following that. Okay, see ya. Go go have at it, well, friend. I mean, I I can't listen. There's wind at play here. I don't know what tea times are going to be best, but let me give you some first round leaders, and that's going to be capped off, of course, by Nick Taylor. By the way, we had that thing surrounded last week. I think of the three of the five that I that I picked, I think three of them were in like the top six after day one. So we were super close. But last week was, um, yeah, la- I got all my sheets of paper here. Oh, I didn't write them down last week. Oh, because you tweeted them out, right? Right, but I, I said three on the show. I think it was Neiman, DJ, and somebody else that I said on the show, and oh. uh, then I added two more. So we're going to go with Alex Nornan at 50 to 1, Adam right. Hadwin at 65 to 1, Kevin Streelman at 75 to 1, Tom Hoagie at 75 to 1, and of course, the birthday boy, Nick Taylor at 130 to 1. For the record, it is a stroke scale narrative play on Nick Taylor, but the approach play hasn't been bad for him, and he's a shorter player. Like, this is a, actually a pretty good course fit for Nick Taylor. So even though he's kind of a fringy first-round leader play, I, I I think at 130 to 1, it actually might be worth it. Uh, now I'm just – I love it. In a Nick Taylor just, like, wormhole right now. Yeah. Rick, you got to add a column on rickrongood.com. That's just uh, N-A-R at the top. And it's just color, no numbers, just colors. And Nick Taylor would be as dark green as there possibly is. Sia sends me his narrative rankings every week, and I just yeah. import them into the website. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. We've got our winner. We've got our first round leaders. We've got everything that you need. We'll be back on Tuesday for the mega preview pod, and then obviously round by round recaps after each and every final putt drops. The link. For the fan vote to the one and done is live right now. Get it in because uh, we're going live on Tuesday morning and we need your pick by then. Check the description. Big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad is available on Twitter at Sia Najad. And Greg Ducharme is available at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.